Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 141 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. A very happy new year to you all. This week I'm starting to plan for the new season and turning my thoughts to my winter and spring feeding strategies. Beekeeping Short and Sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast. I hope you've all had a very restful Christmas and I'd like to take this opportunity to wish you all a very happy new year. Here we are celebrating the start of a new year and all the hopes and beekeeping optimism that goes with it. I know that 2020 wasn't a great year for many people, but as you all know, I'm forever an optimist and would rather look forward than back. So my intention today is to focus on the planning of a great new beekeeping season, share some of my plans, some of which you may already have heard or in fact listened to me commit to on one of the Zoom meetings recently. Uh, but I'm going to split up my planning for this coming year over the next few podcasts and just focus in on one or two things. The Zoom meetings, I think, have been good fun. We've discussed a range of topics and have come up with some practical solutions to help a number of beekeepers with their various challenges. The next Zoom gathering is on the 10th of January, so do look out for the details of how to join in with that. You'd be very welcome. I guess before we can share the plans for this new season, I should just recap on where we find ourselves in terms of the beekeeping part of the business. As you will probably know, I've always had a wide range of hive types in order to show the different styles, the pros and cons of each one, and the different techniques that you can employ in managing each of those hive types. Some are very similar to each other, but some are quite different. The latest craziest hive I introduced was the top bar hive and that I have to admit has been a lot of fun this year mainly because the top bar hive gods allowed me to have a trouble-free season with the bees that we put in there. The colony has been very calm during all of the inspections. They took to the top bars really well and the comb was built along the bars and not across them and of course the colony was a swarm, so we had already encountered the tricky part of the season prior to putting the bees into the hive. I've no idea how the new season will progress with them, but we'll give it our best shot. Counting up the total number of colonies, I think we're going to be around 90 to 95. Uh, I will go out and have a proper count up over the next week or so, uh, but I think it'll be around 94. We did try to go to the fishing lakes apiary and do the start of the count but unfortunately one of the lakes had burst its banks because of the flood water and had washed away part of the road so we couldn't actually drive across to where our bees were. Given the struggles that I had with feeding the colonies last autumn I am anticipating seeing some losses this winter. It was a strange combination of feeding early, colonies becoming very large feeding again there was a distinct lack of ivy nectar and a couple of sudden losses that have given me the collie wobbles about winter losses so I'm feeding with fondant and uh, I guess crossing my fingers 
just while I'm on the topic of winter feeding, I had a couple of questions about where the feed should be placed above the crime board or directly on the brood frames with an ink. And I use two methods, in fact, the two that I've just described. This is winter feeding of fondant, remember, where I have a large colony bursting with bees that need some additional food or I feel they need additional food. I normally place the fondant above the crime board. My judgment being that if I have bees bubbling up around the crime board, then they can easily access the fondant and that generally seems to be the case. If it's a smaller colony and the cluster is down between the brood frames, I'll normally add an ink and place the fondant directly on top of the brood frames. And that makes it easier for them to just move up slightly to the feed. But we'll cover off more of that, I guess, as we go through the winter. Anyway, back to the planning. I'm hopeful I won't suffer more than around 10% losses this year. But that could be as many as 10 colonies, which sounds terrible to me as I say it, but after, particularly after last year's successful navigation of that winter period where we barely lost anything at all. But if I move into spring with something like 80 to 85 strong colonies, that gives me a really decent base to build on. I know that's a little more than 10%, but I'm giving myself a chance to be pleasantly surprised, I guess. As long as I keep the fondant on them, it will give them a fighting chance of survival and I'll head out to the apiaries once a fortnight to heft and assess. So do look out for my reports on how that's going. For those of you who've been waiting for the weather reports, never fear, here it comes. It's been wet. We've had some torrential rain, as I mentioned, with the flooding at the fishing lakes and that rain has been over a prolonged period of time. And I guess the ground is totally saturated now. I've only got that one apiary that has any chance of flooding. I did suffer a loss of a colony to floodwaters several years ago and as a result I've moved the stands to higher ground. It's the apiary particularly which we have the 14 by 12s and the top bar hive in. I'll give some kind of locational context but I'll take some photographs next time I'm over there and we'll post them to uh, social media so that you can see. Oh, well, what was I talking about? Oh yes, the planning. Uh, I find lists are always good. I like lists. When I write things down, they generally tend to get done. Of course, it's not so simple as pen and paper anymore. And being a bit of a sucker for technology, I've had a bash at a number of different computer, phone and tablet based to-do type list apps. I seem to have failed pretty much with all of them, to be honest. I think it's about creating a habit and checking the list kind of religiously every day. In fact, probably several times a day. I might give them another try, but for now, I'm going to grab a pen and scribble things down. And hopefully, it'll be in the form of a day-to-page diary. And we're going to write all of our notes into that diary. Top of the list is to continue with the monthly Zoom meetings for everyone in the Patreon Coaching Plus group. I think these have been absolutely fantastic and I'm beginning to feel a little more comfortable chatting with everyone. I know that probably sounds a bit silly given that I stand in front of my camera and talk several times a week when we get into the season, but honestly, I'm not the most confident person in the world and it takes a bit of time for me to get things right and I do like to get things right. My apologies if I do come across as a little bit nervous when we talk, but things will get better, I'm sure. 
Obviously, the podcast will also be a continuing weekly feature, as it has been for the past few years. I think this is one of my successes. But thinking more about the beekeeping, there are some major changes planned that need managing. And I thought I could share a couple of those over the next few weeks, along with more general chat and information. I've talked about the first major project a couple of times already, and now we're heading towards the new season. I find myself becoming more convinced and focused on getting the wheels in motion. I'm sure you'll all probably have seen the series of videos featuring the honeypore hives and the development of the Langstroth hive apiaries. I started using these a couple of years ago as a sponsored series of videos with the help of Paul at Modern Beekeeping. Over the period, I've found them to be really nice hives to use and, giving my ongoing back issues, anything that can help me reduce the amount of weight I'm lifting is a real benefit. So much so, in fact, I made the decision that I would start to swap out my various other types of hive in favour of eventually just having maybe a couple of each type of hive, with my main honey production commercial hives being the Honeypore Langstroth. To that end, I'll be receiving my, well now, late Christmas present, although I did delay the delivery. Um, But anyway, I'll be receiving 50 deep brood boxes and 25 floors and roofs in the next week or so from Paul at Modern Beekeeping, and these are going to form the basis for this year's switch out. The plan is to use these new hives in the spring by using a technique called Shook Swarm and we'll move strong colonies over from other types of hives into the Langstroth format. When we get to that part of the season, I'll doubtless produce a video to show the process again, but it's a great way of not only moving bees from one hive type to another, but also for replacing an entire brood box of old frames with nice new foundation, or in this case, our plastic frames. Now I have to say I'm a little nervous about the plastic frames having made a bit of a hash of it last season but I've got a plan in place and hopefully that will be enough to get them settled quickly. It's really about the timing of the process rather than being worried that I haven't put enough wax on the frames. Each frame though will get a decent coating of wax and I'll probably overdo it but I'll wait until the bees are expanding fast and on a nectar flow before starting the process. I know it will reduce the amount of honey that we produce, but the strong colonies should be able to pull a brood box in a week or so, meaning we won't lose too much honey. I think the benefits vastly outweigh the losses. We currently have around 20 Langstroth colonies, so if we can get all of the new kit filled by the end of spring, we should be well on our way to having over half of our existing colonies transferred into the new hives. That's the first major plan of the year, and I'll update you on a couple of other changes we're going to make, perhaps next week or the week after. I've been speaking to Paul at Modern Beekeeping about the delivery of all the gear, and we've got it arranged for early next week or so, maybe the week after. So our workload here in Norwich is going to ramp up, as I'll need to construct and paint the hive boxes, and also paint the roofs and the floors, and Obviously, that's going to be something else to add to the list that I'm now keeping. If you're thinking of getting some honey pour kit yourselves, now's a great time to buy, as I think Paul is having a flash sale on his website, and I'll leave the details in my podcast notes. 
Next up today, I wanted to chat about my feeding strategies, particularly my overwinter feeding and the run into spring. As you know, I feel like I made a bit of a mess of things with the autumn feeding strategy, but let's not dwell on that. It isn't a total disaster, but only as long as I act over the winter months and into spring. As you know, I've been putting fondant on colonies right from the beginning of the winter period, something that I don't normally start until sometime into the new year, if at all, with most colonies. It does mean a little extra cost, but why would I scrimp on a few pounds worth of fondant only to lose a colony that would cost hundreds of pounds to replace, not to mention the loss of the honey in the spring? My feeding regime changes slightly, as we head into February. Here I start to feed a pollen substitute. I've tried a few and to be honest they all work or don't depending on the needs of the bees and the locations. And just to give an example I was out walking around some apiaries yesterday and found a hazel in full flower, catkins bursting open and the slightest touch producing a cloud of pollen. Unfortunately, yesterday it was too cold for the bees, and actually this particular tree happens to be an extremely early variety that regularly flowers around the last week of December. There's another one about 30 metres away that will be in flower in about two weeks, regular as clockwork. The bees get onto it as soon as they can, but it's not always possible as the weather plays a part in keeping the bees tucked up tight in their brood boxes, clustered against the cold. The pollen substitute I use currently is the Appy Pasta Plus. Again, it's from Paul at Modern Beekeeping. I tried it out a couple of years ago and it worked really well on the colonies that needed it, so I've just stuck with it. A lot of colonies won't need it. Certainly a lot of my colonies won't bother and that's because they're surrounded by hazel and willow. Early flowering trees that give a massive boost to our colonies just as they're coming out of winter but I'm looking to boost my colonies a little earlier sometimes, specifically for the early oilseed rape crop. And for those colonies, having additional protein, because that's what the pollen substitute is, having that extra protein allows them to build the brood nest a little earlier and a little larger. Again, there's an awful lot of variables at work. The colony can only manage a brood nest of a size proportional to the number of worker bees that have survived the winter, through to late winter and into early spring. Temperature is everything in the brood nest. Without enough bees to maintain the correct temperature for the brood, there's no point making it bigger. So I only feed the larger colonies with the protein sub. That could be four seams of bees upwards at this time of the year, but they have to be good full seams, not a cup full of bees in each seam barely visible. The smaller colonies don't get left, I usually give those a pack of standard fondant just to help them access an easy supply of food late in the winter. Now as I said, some bees will take the pollen substitute but some won't. A lot of this is down to how much protein the bees need, what's available, how quickly they can build up their brood nests given the late winter conditions and also what they were able to store in late autumn. Each year I'd regularly place the pollen sub on hives only to see it come off untouched, yet others will take as many as three or four kilos. It's usually the bigger colonies that take the most, kind of goes without saying, yet if there is local forage of a decent amount 
even the biggest colonies will sometimes ignore my offerings and head out to the willow and hazel. I mean, let's face it, they're going to take their natural pollen if they can get it. As we get into March, I'll drip feed a little syrup into the colonies. This is where my strategy changes slightly. It's called a stimulus feed, and it's used to encourage an increase in egg laying from our queens. Again, this is very dependent on the specific colony, their needs, and the available forage that may or may not be about. I've never used open feeding, so each colony that I want to feed gets a feeder and maybe a kilo or two of syrup. Nothing major of the kind of feeding we have in the autumn, where I'll give an entire 14 kilo jerry can in one hit. This is more a gentle drip feed over a few weeks. A word of caution though, if you go down the route of feeding, you mustn't stop before the spring flow kicks in, or you'll risk building up a colony to a very large size and then watch it starve to death. Once you start, you really have to keep going. This was simple last year. Spring came early and feeding wasn't really needed beyond the middle of March. But we've also experienced slow starts, such as the year we had the beast from the east. And in those conditions, it's really important to keep some food on the colonies until they're able to get out themselves and forage regularly. I'll shoot some videos as we get into midwinter and beyond to illustrate what I'm up to. So do look out for those. Well, that's it for this week. Have a fantastic new year. I hope all of your new year wishes come true for you and that you're as excited as I am for the new beekeeping season to begin. Check out the links in the podcast note for more information about the topics today. But until next time, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet.